In this episode, I'll be discussing the parable of the prodigal son, how that connects to school discipline, and ultimately what we can learn from that to be more inclusive and restorative when kids misbehave. So put your thinking cap on, and let's go. Welcome to the Andy Jacks Podcast, the reflection on leadership, learning, and life. Consider hitting that like button, sharing with others, and letting me know what you think about this episode's topic. Welcome back this week to another episode where we try to make a connection to something that is maybe something you've known or heard about before, but then how do we connect with the context of something in school? But before we do that, I really want to get into how I ended this week. So yesterday, I ended it with a high note for me personally, and I hope for our school, my new tricycle razor, almost adult-sized tricycle came in. It has like a bicycle for the front tire, bicycle kind of wheel, and then the two slider back tires so that when you really pick up some speed in the hallways, especially when our hallways are really waxed nice. You can pick up some speed, hit that turn, and then whew, that back end just slides around the corner. So if you do it right, you can slide into the turn and just pedal it right away to get to the next straightaway. If you do it wrong, you're just spinning out and hitting the wall, <laughs> which I did too, uh, which is also fun. Yesterday, I, you know, before people came into the building, after hours is when I really test drive these things, and I did that ahead of time test drove it. My kids come to school with me, my own kids. So they got to see me and run around with me after hours. It was all dark in the hallways. And before anyone else saw it, I'm, I'm riding around on this thing after I put it together. Super fun, really safe, but really fun. Once the kids were in person, you know, uh, the next day I was really worried because, you know, if you do this during the day, there's a danger factor. And I'm not talking about safety of my own life. I'm talking about danger of, you know, completely disrupting everything that the teachers are working for. And while I really like to you know, you call it disrupting the norm or changing things up or making kids excited about school. What I really do worry about is when I take that too far, which I admittedly have done a million times, and it causes almost a negative impact based on the fun thing that you could be doing. So I waited till the end of the day. And at the very end of the day, just about dismissal time, that was my time. Got my, my to-do list I, did, I can't say I got my to-do list done because that's not true. But I got a lot of things on my to-do list done. Met with some great teachers on their summative evaluations and just told, told them how awesome they're doing. And uh, so that really made my day hearing how the cool things they're doing. And then it was time. Time to end fry yay on a high note. So what I did was I got this tricycle and I go through the main office. And right as I come through the main office, I could see some parents that were waiting to pick up the kids. <laughs> and they were like, what? And one of them actually held the door open for me to go into the main hallway. I come into the main hallway, roll into the main hallway. Immediately I'm seeing kids. They're like, what? Dr. Jacks. All excited. Teachers are just like shaking their heads laughing because they just know. Roll through there. Roll, go, go down the hallway by the library. Just lines of kids lining up at this point for dismissal. Pedaling my heart out. Try not to hit any of these kids. <laughs> and I, for the record, I did not hit any kids. Um, disclaimer, no kids got hurt in the making of this Friday experience. Go down the hallway by first grade. I do a loop down the back hallway, come back up fourth and fifth grade hallway. 
ultimately wheel all the way back down to the gym. By then, we have all these kids coming in spaced out into the gym where we do our car rider dismissal. We have them six feet spacing within the gym, packed gym, auxiliary gym packed too, six feet spacing, so that when we're dismissing, we can get more kids in there and have a system, but also have safety with COVID. But I was the enforcer of safety because what I did was I took these tricycle and I went up and down the aisles in between kids. And I believe I was contributing to the safety of COVID by keeping these aisles six feet apart and making sure at the same time kids had smiles and laughter because there's plenty of evidence that said smiling and laughing is good for your health. So you see where I'm going with this. I'm like the, I'm like the, the bringer of good health at this point. <laughs> so it was just such a good time. I, I end up going up the car rider line on the sidewalk and it was all fun and games until I'm going uphill on a tricycle, which wasn't so easy. But great time. Everyone's laughing. And uh, later on, we had our timed trials where Brad Hughes, our counselor, and I were, and my son were timing ourselves to see how fast we could go around this certain loop in our school. So wait for that to come. Some cool videos I think will be happening. Maybe some games with guests, uh, specific contests of who could be the fastest tricycle rider without getting injured. Now, on to this week. And I hope you can do that experience because for me, having fun in school is such a critical element. And COVID has taken away so much of that to me, I feel like, because all those crazy things that I think are fun to do in school that make it lively and interesting and make kids want to run into school, not out of school, are hard to do with COVID and the distancing and spacing and masks and all these things. So it is time. It's way past time. We've been trying to bring back some stuff, but it's time. And if you're out there wondering if you could do some fun things, you can and you should and it cannot be just all the grind you have to have the good with the uh, not so bad but you have to have the good with the tough stuff uh, when we looked at our school-wide vision about what was important fun came out almost number one in our school so everybody in your school probably wants to have fun too so my challenge to you before we get into the real meat of this episode is to go do something that you think is fun for you as well as others when you're having fun other people can see it they sense it it's contagious when you smile, you're yelling, Friday, happy Friday. They can't help but smile and enjoy the moment with you. So there you go. Challenge for this week. Okay, on to the meat. We had the, uh, the, maybe the appetizer a second ago, but now to the meat of the episode. This is the connection that I really wanted to emphasize this week was the connection of the parable of the prodigal son. And I, I have the blessing and the curse, like so many educators out there, you know, you can't turn it off. It's always on. You're always thinking about how you can help kids, how you could be a better leader, how it relates to things that you're doing in your work. You just can't turn it off. And I think that's a great thing. That means you're really passionate. But I also think there's a danger to that because you can't just enjoy the moment sometimes. My wife, my wife will get mad at me like, she said, will you stop it? Will you just, will you just sit here? <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't help it. So in this case, something happened recently that wasn't unique. It's happened before. But you know when you have kids that you're working through some things, um, and kids may leave the classroom for a certain moment. Sometimes it's timeouts or it's some type of uh, issue that you're dealing with, maybe with discipline. And ultimately, though, they have to come back. And when I say have to, they should be coming back. We want them to be coming back. But that, well, I want them to be coming back. My teachers are phenomenal. They want them to come back. But that's not always the case out there. So one thing that hit me recently was this idea of the parable of the prodigal son. And I grew up going to Sunday school every week, uh, church probably a couple times a week. And so these parables were ingrained into my, into my being at an early age. And I'll first preface this, but I'm going to dive into a little bit of a, something with Christianity. And I'm not, the whole point of this isn't to push religion or anything like that. In fact, 
Uh, I hope everyone had a happy Eid uh, that celebrated this last week. Um, and I really appreciate all those people that have their their beliefs and that they're passionate about. And uh, But I think we can learn from a lot of these stories. And a parable is really interesting because a parable, the whole point of it, is to tell a story that can convey messages, maybe more than one message, and teach you certain things about life. Uh, it could be about you know religion in this case and Christianity. But also, there's a life element of this and there's a connection to discipline that I want to bring it in. So let's get into it. What is the story of the prodigal son? First, do you even know what prodigal means? I didn't look this up because I know the story. Prodigal actually means being wastefully extravagant. The recklessly and wastefully spending something is that idea of prodigal. I always thought prodigal meant just like leaving and coming back, but that's not exactly what it is. It's wasteful spending. So let's get into this uh, idea of what the prodigal son did, why he did it, how it impacted the family, and then ultimately what the family did in return. In the context of this famous parable, uh, the prodigal son has also come to mean someone who is maybe spiritually lost or lost in like emotionally lost, not just physically out there, but just distressed and coming back and returning after an absence and how the family deals with this. So the story parable of the prodigal son and if you ever get a chance to use stories for leadership lessons, I think they're so important. There's a whole book about that with Abraham Lincoln, who talked about using stories all the time to convey messages. So here's a story for you. So a, a man, uh, in this case, I always imagined in the story like a wealthy sort of man who had land. And, and if you can give an inheritance to somebody, to me, that means you have some type of uh, financial stability maybe that others don't have. So in this case, you have a family. Uh, a father who has inheritances for his, his children. His, his men grow up to be two young men, and they're really kind of off to do things in their, in their lives. One of them is very steadfast with his father and being home. The other one is ready to go live the, the dream, right? Go, go live out there and enjoy the world. He wants his inheritance. He wants his money from that he thinks he's going to get from his father. So maybe fair, maybe not fair. The father finally gives in to this gives into his son, gives him this inheritance, gives him this money, and the son goes off and lives his life. If it were nowadays, the son would be going to Vegas, I think. Go to Vegas, living the dream, living it up, spending money, doing everything, all those things maybe shouldn't be doing. Uh, ultimately, in this case, the son also wasted all that money. I had a great old time, but ultimately um, tried buying all these things, all this land, all these houses, all this, and just wasted it all. Ended up becoming broke. So much so that by the time he really thought about even coming back home, in the story, he's, he's eating the same kind of food or maybe worse food than the pigs eating out of the trough was the, was the example. So here he is, worse off than the pigs in the trough, and thinking to himself, this can't get any worse. i got to give in. I realize that what I did was wrong. Um, I am just sorry. This, this was a stupid idea. I should have came back home. But, but can I come back home? You know, I really left on bad terms, I just took all this money and ran. And will they really want me back after all this? After I spent all this money, wasted all this money that my father earned over the years, do they really want me back? That's a tough call, right? That's a tough thing if anyone's been in those kind of situations with family. So in this case, he comes back home, probably head in shame, head low, um, probably anxiety and stress and emotional turmoil is how I imagine this character coming back to the family. And as he's walking up to this house, the father sees him from afar. 
And what do you think the father's going to do at this point? Berate him? Be mad at him? Well, in this case, the story goes, the father ran right up to the son. And this is like one of those Hollywood scenes where the father and son like run towards each other in this lighting and boom, this big hug from the father to the son, kissing his cheek and just glad he's back and super excited he's back. And so the son goes, can you please take me back? I'll be a servant. I'll work for you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Um, in this case, they talk about sinning, but I want to take a bigger context with this in life where he says, you know, I'm not worthy to go back into the role I was in before. His father says, no, that's not going to happen. He has father has so much compassion. He wants to bring him right back into where he was, make him part of the family. In fact, he ended up giving him a feast, put the best robe on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. We're going to have a huge feast to welcome back my son who I've missed for this long. Sounds great, right? That's like a Hollywood, maybe like uh, the good type of Hollywood ending where everyone got, you know, something good at the end. The son realizes mistakes and um, felt repentance and, and the father showed his mercy and grace and welcoming back the son. But there's a side storyline to this, which is the other brother. Because the other brother was there the whole time doing all the work, taking care of the family, doing everything right didn't go to Vegas, didn't go to all these different places and waste the inheritance. And what about him? He felt pretty upset. He was like, why, why am I, you know, I feel like I'm getting looked unappreciated. You're giving all this attention to a son who really did all this bad stuff. Why are you welcoming back into the fold when I should be the one that should get this recognition? And ultimately, the father is trying to convince that son as well that, no, we need to have grace and mercy and compassion for those, even when they make mistakes, and bring them back into the fold. So, boom, there you go. Parable of the prodigal son. Can you already see the connection that that can make in education and potentially school discipline? So, if you're thinking about school and education and discipline, this is the connection I was making was... When students leave the classroom for disciplinary reasons, how do we welcome them back in? How do we help them understand that what they did was wrong and that we need to find a better way of doing things, but ultimately that they're still worthy and that they're still valued and we appreciate them? At the same time, how do we make sure that the students that are already in the room doing the right thing, following directions, behaving themselves, also feel appreciated and that they understand how we deal with these kind of situations. If we could figure that out, that's like 90% of how we deal with exclusionary discipline and bring kids back in. And so that, that really is something I keep thinking about. You have the father and the two brothers. In this case, you have a teacher, you have the students being excluded potentially, and students that are already in the classroom included and bring them back together. You can call us restorative practices, uh, inclusion, a lot of educational terms you can use. But to me, it's just bigger almost than any of that is how do we uh, pull people back into the fold after they left for a certain period of time? And I hate to even use the word bad kids or good kids, so I won't be doing that. But you do at times have students excluded for behaviors that, that they did. And maybe they deserve to be dis excluded for a period of time. Maybe it was a dangerous situation. And I'm going to deal with that in a whole other podcast. But for this, I just want to talk about the, the bringing back in component of things. And there's a, another a quote I've seen. Every conflict presents you with a choice. You choose to view conflict as an opportunity to teach or an opportunity to blame and punish. This idea of blame and punish consequences. Kids deserve these consequences for their actions as if that's going to teach them a lesson. 
that's one of those things that right away I want to think tip number one is do we really need to punish students and give consequences for everything? Is that always necessary? I feel that if you're going to do it because there's a certain outcome you think you're going to get, I can maybe understand it. But most of the time we just do it automatically because we feel like they deserve it. They've earned this negative experience because of the actions that they've done. Um, and ultimately what I try to explain to people is if you're doing something you know won't work, then you're just trying to punish people and hurt them. If you're doing something to teach people to be better, that's different. And that's the big distinguishing factor. So using the opportunity for this moment to teach the student, the prodigal son kind of student, the student that may be excluded, what they did was wrong, how they can fix this, understanding how their actions affect their own life as well as the lives of others. Just like in the prodigal son, it wasn't just the inheritance and taking the money from the family that was the biggest problem of this. He ruined his own life. He made his own life a terrible situation where he was to the point of eating like food from the pig trough. Like that was, he did it to himself as much as he hurt other people. And that's one thing to really help students understand is that when they misbehave, they're really hurting themselves and they're not aligning their actions to what goals they may have either subconsciously or very conscious goals that they want to have in their future. So making sure they understand the alignment of their actions and natural consequences and natural things that they're going to get out of that is so critical. So one of the biggest things is to slow down during this process. So first thing is, do we have to punish? Does everything need a consequence? Sometimes, remember, just being excluded alone is, is a consequence. Having you, you talk to their parents or, or talking to them as an administrator, talking to a counselor, a lot of those are sort of natural consequences that happen already. All their peers see them excluded. That's another natural consequence. They feel excluded themselves. They feel they could feel terrible about the situation, even if it was their fault, even if they did something. I want to say I think most kids don't always do these things purposely, but even if they did, it's it's they still feel negative experience. You know, no one ever feels good in a fight. Everyone feels terrible. Even if they win a fight, they all feel bad. Everyone feels bad when you get into these things. So all of that negativity is already there. You don't need to pile on with kids to do even more and more punishment after that. So first thing is, do we need punishment or not? Second thing is to slow down. Before you bring kids back in, you've talked to them, you've told them what they did was wrong, you may give whatever you think you have to give as a consequence, but when you pull them back in, you need to slow that process down. How do you ensure that learning happens before returning to the class and to their peers? That's the beauty of restorative practices, having some type of system where students talk about what they did, how it affected others, they hear maybe perspectives of the other students so that they gain this knowledge about how their, their actions really affected the emotional feelings of people or their feelings of safety. And then also some, some, type of, some type of action they can do to make up for that experience. You know, Sometimes it's, it's obvious they can do something to help others. And sometimes you got to really dig a little bit deeper of things they can do uh, to really consider how to, you know, I mean, it could be as simple as saying you're sorry, but it could be more complicated in how they work with the class or work with the teacher or work with uh, other type of actions in the schools. Ultimately, we need to be truly restorative. We need to, if we can do this right, and this is so hard as a teacher, we need to forgive students, truly forgive them. Like the father that forgave the prodigal son, you need to forgive the student and his actions, her actions coming back in. You may not forget. You'll always remember that that's there, and you can learn from it as a teacher. 
but we have to forgive these kids as they come in because if we don't forgive them, then we're still holding the weight of the situation on them and everything that we do with them, the student will be able to tell that we never forgave them and it will affect every interaction we have with them going forward. But they have to learn. We have to help these kids learn from these situations before we just pull them right back into the class. Otherwise, you're just destined to repeat yourself over and over and over again. On this story, the prodigal son, Vance Havner, says, There is a trend today that would put a new robe on the prodigal son while he's still feeding hogs. Some would put the ring on his finger while he's still in the pigsty. Others would paint the pigsty and advocate bigger and better hog pens. I love that idea with this story because there is a little bit of this, this trend where kids that misbehave, we almost overdo the positive reinforcement and we give them like rewards for doing the most mundane, dumb things that are not, it's like the other kids have been doing all these great things. And this one kid blinks one time the right way and actually looks up from his desk and then boom, you get this awesome reward. It's so cool. And congratulations. And thank you so much. It was like, whoa, 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 let's, let's, let's slow that down a little bit. They have to earn and they have to really be truly repentant and truly take some ownership of their actions for them to then, you know, us to start piling on these uh, appreciation and, and supports and, and maybe supports not even the right word, but recognition. So let's help them own that situation. When students can own situations, they're always going to make progress because they'll understand what they did and how it affected others. So first thing, punishment. You don't always have to do it. Second thing, slowing down. And finally, the last thing is finding more ways to praise and appreciate those that do what they're supposed to do and that we don't take them for granted. All these other kids. Because I think there is a point to that. And I think parents have said that to me. Teachers have said that to me. When it's like, well, what about these other kids? How come we're re rewarding the kids that misbehave? I think they have a point. I think they really do. I think if everyone sees us only rewarding kids that misbehave, that sends a very wrong message to our school. And again, when I say reward, I don't mean all the time trinkets and positive little you know, gifts and all these things. I think our, our emotional recognition and our relationships are also rewards and how we form these relationships, not just with these good kids, but also with what other people consider like the bad kids. How do we create true, meaningful relationships that build them up? A line by Max Legato is, the difference between mercy and grace, you know what that is? Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. I love that. Mercy gave a second chance. Grace gave a feast. So mercy means you don't have to push the punishment like crazy. You can keep trying and keep trying. And I would argue kids don't deserve a second chance. They deserve infinite amount of chances. And then ultimately, when we bring them back in, we truly forgive and welcome them back in like the best kid in our class. When you look at that kid that misbehaves all the time, do you look at them that way? Or do you look at them as, wow, this kid is awesome and amazing and so many gifts to bring, even yes, they have these problems. I have a quote on my wall that talks about helping people become... It's Jaime Gannat, and he talks about, he's a psychologist, and the line is, if we treat people as they are, we make them worse. If we treat people as they're meant to be, uh, what they truly can be, we can help them become what they're capable of becoming. This idea that if we look at them based on the negative things we see right now, we treat them that way, oh, that's just all downhill. That's not going to go anywhere. You're never really going to build them up that way. You have to treat them as this, this, this potential, this positive potential that they have. And if you can treat them that way, then you start acting and talking to them that way. They start hearing the words, feeling the words. They start acting that way. Self-fulfilling prophecy kind of an idea. So what do you think about that connection? What do you think about that connection? The connection of the parable of the prodigal son and how we exclude students, but ultimately how we bring them back, forgiving them, 
welcome them back with open arms, having a feast when they come back. Because what that feast is, it's really not just about that student, it's about us. The feast is about us being better people and truly forgiving the student when they come back into the fold. That makes me think. Hopefully it made you think too. Hopefully you appreciate this sort of parable idea. I love these types of connections to real life or the things that we may have heard growing up. So let me know what you think about that. If you get a chance going back to that tricycle, you can make school fun. I think that helps you as well. So much of what we do with kids is not just about what they do. It's about what we do, how we feel, how we inspire ourselves and put ourselves in a great frame of mind. Our discipline, not just for students, but discipline for us. Discipline for how our brains think about tough issues, how we respond to these things. And one way to help yourself is to really put yourself in a good frame of mind, a positive mindset, growth mindset. That's why the tricycle, I come back to that. That's why these things are important because if you don't, you just get negative really fast because the job's tough. And if you've never done it in your outside education, you just don't get it because it is a hard grind working with people as much as we do. The interpersonal skills that you need and the stuff that you're just constantly, just constantly dealing with as a teacher and as an administrator. It's the beauty of it, but it's also the challenge. That's why if you can get some fun, tricycle maybe, I'll do a big shout out to my buddy Jay, principal, awesome principal. Uh, one of my buddies who, he, he's like the tricycle master. I just saw him do going down a hill, like maybe sideways on the tricycle. So these tricycles aren't like what you think. They're not, they're not our tricycles growing up. These are like serious, cool tricycles. Yes, that's right. It is a cool tricycle. So I'll leave you on that note. Have a great week. Have a great day. Make a positive difference in your own life and those around you. Have a great day. Reach out if you need anything. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode's topic. Share with others and let me know what you think on social media at underscore Andy Jacks. Read more on leadership, school culture, and discipline at andyjacks.com. We're in this together, so reach out if you need anything. Have a great week.